This is Indie Business Podcast, episode 42. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I'm your host, mentor and coach Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and creative entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. On this episode, I will introduce you to Michelle Smith of Mama Suds in Goodrich, Michigan. Michelle is a former middle school teacher who was encouraged by her husband to start selling the cleaning products she made for her family after their children were born. As you'll hear Michelle share in this episode, at first she was skeptical that anyone would actually buy her products. But fast forward to today and Michelle says business is booming at Mama Suds. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 42. I can't wait to introduce you to Michelle Smith of Mama Suds in Goodrich, Michigan. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Indie Business Network, the online entrepreneurial mentoring and coaching network, helping makers and creative entrepreneurs launch, manage, and grow a sustainable and profitable business. You can find out more today and join at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. And now let's welcome Michelle Smith of Mama Suds in Goodrich, Michigan. Hello, everyone. We are here today with Michelle Smith at Mama Suds in Michigan. Welcome to Indie Business Podcast, Michelle. Oh, thank you for having me. So, Michelle, you you have such an interesting brand, and I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you. The first thing I have to ask you is, tell us how this name came about, Mama Suds. Tell us about that story. Oh, um, really, it was after I saw the movie with my daughter, Princess and the Frog, and my favorite character was Mama Odie. And I just had this, like, I don't know, this, I wanted something like her, you know, like this boisterous lady who, you know, sold soap. And that's where I came up with Mama Suds. I remember that movie. That's one of my favorites. Yes, yes. I just love her. So, you know, it's funny, because like, you know, as I've gotten to know you and your brand over the years, I, I like I see you that way, like Mama Sud, smiling, happy, and everything around you is clean. Yes. <laughs> nice. What, what a nice. <laughs> we need more Mama Suds is in my kitchen, but for now, um, we could talk a little bit about your products too. But Michelle, tell us a little bit about how you started Mama Suds. What's the What's the story behind the brand, and and what were you doing before you started your business? Um, I was teaching. I am. I, I call myself. A, I'm a recovering middle school teacher. I taught math and language arts for ten years, so I have my teaching degree, and I received um, my master's degree in 2009. I was pregnant with my middle daughter, um, and I got my degree in as a reading specialist. And that's right about when I guess my entrepreneurial birth began. Um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, Molly, I had started researching using cloth diapers because when I was pregnant with my first, you know, I did everything by the book and just did exactly what you were kind of supposed to. And the disposable diapers always kind of bothered me. So I decided to do 
cloth diapers, but it's quite an investment to get started. So I did a lot of research to make sure it was something I wanted to do. And so that's really when I started researching everything. It's like once you open that Pandora's box, it's like you just can't stop researching things. And so um, I started researching soap when um, I had found a sample bottle of uh, name brand baby shampoo had tipped over on our new baby furniture. And I picked it up and I wiped it off and the finish had come off with it. And that just like made me have this aha moment. Like, oh, I'm, put- I'm putting this on my skin, or, you know, my skin and my baby's skin, like what's in it? And so that's really what um, started this ferocious research on everything. I need to know everything about that brand of soap. And then I concluded that it wasn't really soap at all. And so I researched what soap actually was. And that led me making my own liquid soap that we used um, as a family. Wow. And so after my daughter was born and we had, you know, I'd done cloth diapering, you have to use a specific laundry detergent that rinses completely clean. So it's either very expensive or it doesn't work very well or it works for just a short while. So I was going through all these different brands and I finally decided, why can't I make it myself? So after like a million formulations that didn't work, I finally found one that did and it worked really well and my husband was impressed and my parents loved it and my family loved it and I just started letting people, you know, buy off what I was making, buy it off of me. And my husband said to me, you know, you should really sell this stuff. And I remember literally laughing at him like, okay, who's going to buy this for me? Nobody's going to buy this for me. And he said, why not? You need it. Why wouldn't somebody else need it? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started. And I, he set up a website for me pretty much by force. I was like, you go ahead, but nobody's going to buy it for me. So <laughs> I love um, that. I love that. Yeah. Like necessity totally being the mother of invention. But during this time, Michelle, you you were still working and you were also starting this business. So tell us a little bit about how you handled those two and motherhood and being a wife oh. as well. I mean, at some point, um, you know, you you must have had your plate super full with both of those things. Have you transitioned out of your teaching job or tell us yeah. that story and how you kept all that together and actually how you knew when it was time for you to transition? Well, I, I always knew that I wanted to stay home with my kids. I really wanted to do that, but we weren't ever financially ready to do that. And I don't think my husband was ever really ready for me to, you know, to be like the sole income provider. I think that was very daunting, which I can't blame him. And so I kept, you know, like coercing him into, you know, if we get all this stuff paid off, then, you know, really we could totally live off of your income. And then, you know, it was just like convincing him that we could do it. And so, um, after I had our, um, third daughter and I was on maternity leave, I was like, I really want to stay home. Like, let alone the, the cost of daycare with having three kids. And I really wanted to go on those field trips and be home when they got home and just kind of be there. Um, that was really important to me. He was like, all right, well, let's, you know, get all this stuff paid off and, you know, really work hard on Mama Suds and, you know, make it into something that, you know, that can provide us with some extra income. So 
So we Michelle, decided, how, how long was it between the time you made that decision and the time you left your job? Um, nine months. Wow. So you guys really got busy paying paying off credit cards and all sorts yes. of other things. So yep. did you set a timeline at first or did you just say, okay, we're just going to pay everything down. And when it's at this level, it'll, we'll know it's time. Yes, pretty much. You know, I, I'm like a figures person. Mm-hmm. So I had this like spreadsheet where I showed them, you know, if we paid all this stuff off, you know, and, and then we wouldn't have daycare, you know, like that's my entire income as a teacher. So right. there isn't any reason why we can't do it. So at the end of that school year, so that was 2013, you know, we made the decision that, you know, I was going to take the summer, you know, and, you know, let them know in the beginning of August that we were, that I was going to, you know, take a leave of absence. Right. So that was 2013 and fast forward three years and you've left your job and you're working Mama Suds full time. Now, are your kids home with you as well? I mean, that's another balancing act right there as well, having your children home while you're also running your business from home, right? Yes. It was much more difficult the first year that I was home because my daughters, uh, I had, my oldest was in school, but my younger two were three and one. And so that was really, really hard. So, you know, trying to do stuff while they're home, it's almost impossible. So luckily I'm a night owl and I work really well between the time 10 PM and 2 AM when nobody's awake. So that's kind of where I learned to get things done you know, make, make most of my stuff. And I, I could do contents, um, you know, posts and research and stuff throughout the day mm-hmm. when they would play for, you know, 15 minutes at a time by, by themselves. But most of my making was late at night. That's great that you figured out what would work for you. Like some people need to have somebody actually come in. Some people aren't night owls. Some people are. Yeah. So I love that you shared that because, Uh, Sometimes, you know, sometimes our listeners want to know exactly how someone else did it so they can do the same thing. And I think the lesson here is you kind of have to figure out what's going to work for you. And that's going to take some time and also some really uh, lousy days when you when you when you do what you think. Right. And you do what you think is going to work for you, but you find out that it's not. So that perseverance has definitely paid off for you and your family. And now your business is growing and um, I, I would imagine your husband is really happy to see his, uh, you know, his pushing you, his oh, nudging yes. you in that direction come yes, to this he, fruition. he points it out all the time. And, but I thank him. <laughs> I thank him all the time. Like, oh, my God, thank you so much for making me do this because right. I would have never have done this on my own. Oh, good. That's so great. I, I love that teamwork aspect. So tell us exactly what Mama Sud sells. I know, I know it's obviously cleaning products but um you know what are your most popular ones and and what are the ones that you feel are really really driving your brand right now well i started off selling just the laundry soap and the liquid castile soap and then the fall of 2013 i had a lady mentoring me and helping me with my website because we did um, my husband set it up through zencart so it was everything you know that we did ourselves and she was helping me learn the back end of it and she said to me um, if you know, do you make anything else? You really should diversify your products. And I was thinking, well, no, what are, people aren't going to buy stuff. From, you know, I still have that attitude that nobody's going to buy anything from me. And I said, yeah, I make you know face cream and bug spray and cleaner. And she's like, well, why aren't you selling it? 
<laughs> and I responded the same thing, you know, like, wow. So it's like, know. we're setting up this website. I mean, give us yeah. some more stuff to sell, right? <laughs> so in the, in the beginning, I had this very firm belief that I could just market Castile soap as the everything soap because that's how I used it. You know, I used it for everything, but that didn't work very well. People would, you know, ask me, well, do you have hand soap or do you have body wash or an all-purpose cleaner? And in the beginning, I would tell them, well, you know, this, I make everything from the Castile soap, but most people don't want to do that. They want a product that says body wash and hand soap and all-purpose cleaner. So I had to change my game plan pretty early, but it, and it pained out. But um, I currently sell aromatherapy products, uh, non-toxic skincare, and eco-friendly household cleaners. So I would say my most popular product is my laundry soap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my um, age-defying cream and my um, automatic dishwasher powder is... That's my um, latest launch, and that has been uh, hugely successful. Oh, great, great. So I love that that you have um, sort of this continuing uh, background voice in your head that says, no one will buy that, no one will buy that. And so, you know, talk a little bit about how you quiet that voice. I mean, I think we all have it to some extent as entrepreneurs. It's like, I'm going to do this, but it's totally going to be a flop. Yeah. Or, Or if not that... If, if you don't say that, you're sort of always wondering and calling your friends and going, do you think it will work? Do you think it will work? What is it that you do to sort of make that voice calm down so that you can sort of listen to your mind and what your customers are telling you and not what your voice is saying about how your next product will flop? Yeah, I think it was Leela Barker who said to, you needed to start. She said something to the fact that you need to start looking at yourself as an artist. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you handcraft things. You are an artist. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I heard her say that that I was like, oh, yeah. Like you wouldn't go into an art gallery and, and say, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I want that painting for $5. Like that, that, that took a lot of artistic ability and practice and time. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I started thinking of myself like, oh, I'm actually an artist. You know, mm-hmm. like I love to cook and create meals. I... Um, I love to paint. I love to sew. I love to make things. And I didn't even realize that I was like that until she said that. And I was like, oh, I am an artist. That's me. Right, right. Yeah. So that's when I, I kind of started like giving what I do a lot of value. Like, oh, you know, people, if I need it or somebody else asks me for it, you know, because that's how most of my products would um, get created by somebody saying, hey, do you have a bug spray or, you know, do you have something for my skin that will help me do this? And I would be like, Oh yeah, I can, I can make that for you. So it's amazing what our customers tell us, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's astounding how many ideas and we think we have to have all this, you know, time spent thinking up new ideas. And and that's always a, a good thing to do for an entrepreneur, but, um, it's so, interesting and fun when you engage with your customers and your next idea comes organically because of something they say they're interested in or something they need. Yeah, that's a great word because that's how I feel like my entire business has grown completely organically. Like my husband and I put, you know, maybe $500 into our business and of our own money and it's just, we've just grown it organically. I only spend what I make and it's grown slow enough that I can keep up because I, you know, always have that feeling that I don't know what I'm doing. But 
it's grown where I can like learn as I go and I don't feel too overwhelmed. Like it's, it's grown with how much I'm learning or I'm, I'm growing with that. I'm not sure which it is, but it has definitely grown organically. And so you started your business with the cleaning products and now you have these other products. So tell us a little bit about the evolution of selling online, which is, it sounds like is, is where you started exclusively online. And now you are uh, selling to uh, wholesale and you're also uh, maybe selling other places as well. So where can we go to buy your products? Like list all the different, different uh, outlets um, that we can go or the, the streams that we can participate in to buy your products. The website is obviously one at mamasuds.com. Yeah. And then I do still have my Etsy shop. I still get um, quite a bit of traffic from there. And then I have um, a couple years ago, a upscale boutique consignment shop um, a, a few towns away contacted me about selling in their shop. And um, so I did that. I don't, particularly recommend doing consignment but this one has has been um very successful so i've you know kept my products there and so that's a few towns away in fenton michigan and then um i have a, a wholesale account in new jersey they sell on, online it's unsownearth.com and they do a lot of farmers markets out um, in New Jersey, and then I have um, a couple that I'm hoping will be wrapped up this week, um, one in Michigan and one in California, and then um, the one that anyone can participate in, there's a uh, eco-friendly co-op um, that's done by a blogger on eco-friendly mama, and she does one every quarter. She does a um, buying club where um, vendors that she approves that are eco-friendly and made in the USA so you can try all kinds of different great companies um, and she does that so it can awesome. you know you can buy or buy my stuff through there that's great so let's talk a second about the consignment because as you mentioned um, you know it can be awesome and it can be really really awful what are some of the markers that you would tell people to look for if they have a consignment opportunity what are some of the things that you would say are signs that it might be something worth pursuing versus not? Um, I'm not sure because, I, I mean, I did another one in my own town that I thought would be successful because, you know, it's in the town that I live in. But um, I don't know that you really know right off the bat. It's just kind of a check and see. That's what I ended up having to do. I... Um, the one that wasn't successful, there wasn't a lot of marketing and there wasn't a lot of traffic. So, I mean, how much traffic mm -hmm. does the store get? You know, right. so, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. I think because this boutique is upscale, it's not, you know, like, it's not like a, a goodwill type consignment. It's, you know, really nice stuff is in there and there's a lot of traffic. There's every time I go in there, I never see anything that's the same. They have a lot of furniture along with clothes and other household items. So um, I'm not those really good, sure what those the... are good tips. You, you don't realize it, but you just gave yeah. four oh, awesome good. tips. Like <laughs> the first one is make sure they have good foot traffic. Yes. The second one is make sure they're doing their own marketing. The third one is make sure that the products that they already sell are consistent with your brand. And the fourth is to um, make sure that you, um, you, you have a place that's um, more upscale and not sort of the giveaway, throwaway kind of place. 
Yes. Perfect. Awesome. You said it better than I did. <laughs> you said it, Michelle. You said it. I just kind of was taking notes and I can I can read a list. Um, mm-hmm. No, but that's good because we get this question a lot from our listeners and members of the Indie Business Network. They get an, a consignment opportunity and I've done consignment before as well. And it's been sometimes good and sometimes not good, often based on some of the things that you just mentioned. Um, They were all in my backyard, too, which made it really a lot easier to sever the relationships that needed to be severed because they were local. So um, but, you know, it it is it's live and learn. But those tips are really, really helpful. So how many people do you have that work with you, Michelle? Do you have people that help you make or help you package and ship? How how do you, you know, handle Um, that? I don't have any uh, employees, but I really couldn't do it without my mom. She comes over and helps me so much, whether it's, you know, watching my kids or putting labels on bottles, helping me organize my office and supply room or whatever I need help with. But um, I just started having her do accounting because it's something I hate so much and it consumes (laughs) so much of my time. Right, right. And she um, did the books for my parents' company when I was growing up, so she's really the person that I rely on for that, and it's... It is a huge weight off my shoulders. Like it's, I mean, it's just like how many hours of my life I felt like, you know, it's not wasted time, but it's just something I could be doing else. You know, it's just so much time and I hated doing it. I really hate the accounting part of it. So she takes that over for me. So that has been nice. So I just take the volunteer labor from my mom and you know, my, my husband gives me, I mean, he's got an MBA, so he gives me all the free business advice that I ask. Oh, so, wow. Wow. So I'm very lucky there. So Yes, indeed Could- you are. That's great. You know, and, and as you say, like, why do something that you hate? Uh, right. And now, now, I guess everybody has got to do everything what they love and they hate at the beginning of their business. I think we all yes. have that story. Um, and in the beginning, you know, the accounting part wasn't that bad. Right. Right. But now it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah, right? it is a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much accounting to do. This is yes. a good thing. So Michelle, how do you market your products? What, what social media outlets work for you and what tips can you share there? So I market my brand toward label reading parents um, who want to create a safe, clean home to the people they love, you know, using good, clean ingredients. And I use most of my budget on Facebook ads. Um, I try to use Facebook and Instagram equally, but Facebook is more for content. And I really believe my brand is about educating people about ingredients. So Facebook is a much better platform for content sharing. And most of my my traffic comes from Facebook and from my mailing list. Michelle, I love your description of your products. First of all, I'm sorry, your target market. First of all, it rolled off your tongue like you like you like you dream about it in your sleep, um, and, and it also was very very specific. And I couldn't write it down fast enough. And oh. I want everyone to hear it again because I want everyone to hear how significant it is to make sure that you're not just selling uh, healthy products or organic products or um, non toxic products. You have to have right. this. Um, other component which nails down your target audience so specifically and yours does. Can you say that again? Sure. Uh, My brand uh, targets label reading parents who want to create a safe, clean home to the people they love by using simple, non-toxic, and eco-friendly products. 
That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. So, so many elements there. So as our listeners are hearing this, you know, check that against your target market statement and, and make sure that you have those. And I love the descriptors. You've got some good descriptors in there. It's like when you're reading it to me or saying it to me, I was like, Ooh, what's next? What's next? <laughs> They're label reading parents. So, you know, that is such that, that, wipes out a whole bunch of people right yes. there because so many people are not. And so your audience really is a savvy group of people. Yes. It took me four years. Well, three, three years to yes. figure out exactly, you know, it, it's a process because I can remember my husband saying, well, who are you marketing towards? Like in the very beginning. And I was like, everybody, everybody could use this soap. And right. he's like, no, you can't market to everybody. I'm like, yes, I, yes, you can. I want everyone to use my soap. And so it really took, you know, I mean, kudos to Leela Barker again, who said, nope, you got to dive down deeper. Nope, you have to pinpoint it even further. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm talking about one person. And she was like, bingo, you have to pick one person. That's such a good point. It is. It has helped hugely because in that statement, First of all, it's completely like exactly who my customer is. So it's not something I have to like read or think about. And it has all my keywords in it. And it is, it, it does. It narrows down the audience tremendously. It doesn't. And it's so good to, to point that out because I always like to say that you're selling your products over and over again to the exact same person, just at a different address. Exactly. And then that kind of that kind of sort of helps people understand, okay, there's a million homes, but they're all the same people. Yes. And, um, and, and, and I, I would imagine that that has been a process for you that has also in part been driven by the fact that you talk to your customers, so you get to know them really well. And so every year, as every year goes by, you can describe them from a psychological perspective, even better. Yes, exactly. Yes, because I, you know, one of my, my things that I put on my website is, you know, people could email me. It's, and I like email. It, it's still kind of impersonal to me. I get messages on, um, you know, through Facebook, but that's, you know, it doesn't always notify me. So I can't stand that. So on my website, I put that you can call or text me because people texting, people just write exactly what they're going to tell you. And people love that. Like, usually it starts off, oh, I'm so glad that I can text you. Can I ask you a couple questions? And then, you know, throughout the entire day, they'll just, you know, ask me questions as they come to mind. And, you know, it's just so much easier to kind of get to know your customers and, mm-hmm. you know, answer their questions. Do you answer these texts all yourself personally? Yes. Okay, right so now. I have to ask you this then. Do you, like, have a separate line for your family to text you and another line for your customers? How do you handle that? No, nope, it's all on one line right now. And Ooh. it's... Okay. You don't mix it up? Like, have you ever accidentally texted your husband, like, you know, buy this? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but I think it, I would just say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But, you know, that's happened at the other end to me where they'll they'll text back to me and they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't for you. So... You know, it's a little bit more informal, but I think my customers appreciate that because it's more, um, you know, it's more personal. It is. It is. So I think they, I think they really like that because they'll ask questions they wouldn't normally ask through Facebook for whatever reason, even though it's virtually the same thing. Well, you know, what's funny too, as you mentioned that is, um, you know, they're riding home from work on the subway and suddenly they realize they're 
you know, they need to, you know, revamp their cleaning supplies and they can text you on the subway. I mean, it's just as opposed to waiting till they get home and then an email, like you want to spell everything right so you don't look like you can't spell. And when you text, nobody cares um, on text. Well, well, hopefully it's not too bad, but at least, you know, you can kind of abbreviate things. There's some forgiveness. Yes, there is. There's more forgiveness. So when you have their text numbers, I mean, do they tell you who they are and do you do you ask them, would you like me to text you about our updates? You know, because like you said, you can use email and Facebook, but do you have any kind of formalized use of the texting that, you know, once a month marketing or VIP club by text or something like that? Um, no, I don't, but that is a great idea. It is. It is. I've seen some people do it. I get some of them, actually. I'm on, I'm on a few of those. Um, yeah, that is a great idea. Well, I mean, if you've got the numbers and if they want to hear from you that way, I, I would yeah. imagine... You know, there, there's services out there. We can talk about that another time. But there are some services out there that will allow you to do that pretty easily. But, um, but then you might have to move it off your personal line right. too. But that's um, true. But that's a that's nine a times out of ten. Um, those people who are texting me, I mean, probably almost ten out of ten times, those people end up buying. And so well, then I actually have their Did you say ten contact. out of ten? Almost. I mean, All I can't. Right. I can't think of a time where somebody didn't text me, and then you know, within the next day they they buy something okay all right so we're printing money with our iphone i mean yes i am our phone whatever (laughs) whatever phone it is um well that's a great way to end this podcast michelle you have just dropped a bomb at the end (laughs) of the podcast and but everybody has a cell phone so indies and and small business owners if you're listening to this um, you know, fire up that phone and give give it a try. And I noticed, Michelle, at your website, it's just right there on the website, like text me. So it's like your personal text number is right there. Text or call me. And there's the phone number. So if you're listening, by the way, on your phone and you want some cleaning products, 248-330-7911. There you go. So let me know if anyone texts you. I will <laughs> publish this, Michelle. Oh my goodness, Michelle at Mama Suds. So what are what are three pieces of advice? in closing, Michelle, that you would give our listeners in order to encourage them and empower them to be as successful as you are in your business? Well, the number one thing is to find your people and learn from them. I found that it's a shameless plug for Indie Business Network, but I joined the Facebook group and just absorbed all the knowledge that I could. You know, you ask questions, you listen to their advice, you celebrate victories with people who are going through the same thing as you. And because being a maker kind of makes you feel lonely, Mm -hmm. you know, this group where people build you up and help you succeed and make you feel validated is just immeasurable. I mean, it's, I I mean, I can't even, it's just opened so much, so many doors just to see how other people are doing things and the camaraderie to me, I, I mean, like I brag about all the time, like, oh my gosh, it's this group of mostly women and everybody gets along and somebody will say, <laughs> yeah. how do you do this? And somebody will say, oh, this is how I do it. And it's like, you can't, I mean, people pay a lot of money for that kind of advice. So it's such a blessing. And, and we like, love those shameless promotions. We love okay. that. Thank you. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I don't know if I have three, but my next one would be to learn how to do a really good Facebook ad because that to me has been um, the driving force behind my traffic is um, Facebook ads. And so I've learned, um, I don't think I've paid for anything that I've learned. I just take the free stuff that people like uh, Melanie Duncan, she gives a lot of um, free content and Amy Porterfield. 
and I've learned how to do um, lead magnets and Facebook ads through them, and so mm-hmm. that has been um, a huge part of my success. And I guess, oh, now that I'm thinking about it, the third one would be get a mailing list because it is so needed. And I really... Printing, printing money part two, yeah, right? <laughs> it is. And I really pushed like, oh, it's just one other thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. And it really should be a, a top priority mm-hmm. is having a mailing list because it really does. Every time I send something out, I I get I get um, sales from sales. it. Sales, so. yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Love it. Love it. So um, make sure you do Facebook ads. Make sure you have a mailing list that you use because a lot of people have a mailing list. I'm like, when was the last time you used it? Oh, like last year. It's kind of like, well, you oh. really don't have a mailing list because they're yeah. all probably, you know, so inactive or changed their emails by now. And then thirdly, thank you very much. Join the Indie Business Network. Yes. I so agree. But, um, you know, mamasuds.com. Head on over there and check out Michelle and her products and... Michelle, thank you so much for coming on Indie Business Podcast today and giving us so many wonderful tips and insights into how you run your business. Thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Michelle Smith of Mama Suds in Goodrich, Michigan. Let's wrap up some of the ideas and action steps Michelle shared. First, Drill down deep to find the lowest common denominators of your target audience. As Michelle has learned, the more general your description of your target customer, the more you'll have to work to get sales. Be as specific as you can starting out and never stop talking to your customers so you can tweak and further define your target market as you grow. Second of all, use texting. Michelle said that when she uses texting to answer her customers' questions, She lands 10 out of 10 sales every time. There's pretty much nothing to say about that, right? (laughs) Try this. It might work for you. And thirdly, use Facebook ads. Michelle says that she has learned how to master Facebook ads because that's where her customers are. The same is true for a lot of makers. Maybe you as well. As of December 2015, Facebook had 1.59 billion users. Imagine what it is today. Facebook ads are so reasonably priced, you have nothing to lose by giving them a try. Now you can subscribe to Indie Business Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can also listen at my website at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, do click on the link to go over to iTunes and rate the Indie Business Podcast. It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories we bring you, and it helps us to get more visibility to more wonderful entrepreneurs like you as well. I love the maker community, and I'm so excited to be a part, along with you, of the reason why it's growing by leaps and bounds. It's such an exciting time to be in business. I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.